Well, good morning, guys. Welcome to Northridge. I just want to tag really quick off of what Nicole said uh, because it's so important. Uh, veterans, we owe a lot to you. I mean that. I don't just say that because it was Veterans Day yesterday. I mean, we have a nation that we can come and worship freely without fear of persecution from our government and from anything else. And so that is a big deal because that is not the reality around a lot of the world. Freedom is not free. As we say, it's true. And so veterans, thank you for your sacrifice, for your service. Uh, it means a ton because we get to do this comfortably and safely because of that. So thank you. Amen. All right. Well, welcome. We're glad you're here. So uh, uh, Nicole kind of uh, hinted at this a moment ago because we have Operation Christmas Child and all that kind of stuff going on. Uh, but did you know that as of today, Christmas is 43 days away? Woo! Talk about stressing you out right now. <laughs> all right? Here we go. We're like, oh, oh, I better get on Amazon right now. Do not do it. Resist temptation from the devil, uh, okay, this morning at church. Okay, uh, but it is. It's 43 days away. Here's why I bring that up. Because uh, we are going into December and the Christmas season. Now, here's the truth about Christmas. Sometimes Christmas is great for some people. Sometimes Christmas is awful for some people. And then for most of us, it's just busy. Okay? That, that's what Christmas is. Here's what I would say to this. No doubt, no matter who you are and whether you like Christmas or it's good or it's bad or whatever it is, here's one thing that you just have to recognize is true. You can't miss Christmas. <laughs> like, it's everywhere, isn't it? Here's why I bring that up. Because at our church... We have some really big, important things coming up that we take opportunity for, because it is Christmas, to engage in our community. Okay? So we have all these dates. We're going to throw them up here in a, in, on the screen so you can see this. But we have to understand we have Jingle Jam. We have Christmas Communion. We have can Christmas Candlelight Services. Then we don't have services on the 24th. And then, so don't show up. If you do, I mean, that's cool. You can worship here. It, it'll just be dark and cold and weird, and it'll be fine. Right? But God will be with you, so it'll be cool if you want to. Uh, but then the 31st, we have some very special services. If you were here last year for our New Year's Day services, we're going to do something very similar, very special, very different than we normally do. So I hope that you can make sure to be here for that on New Year's Eve morning. Uh, but we have a lot of stuff. Here's why I want to highlight this. A lot of people wonder, like Christmas candlelight services, why are we doing Christmas candlelight services on the 22nd and not on Christmas Eve? Some of you are like, you're still annoyed that our church does not have Christmas Eve services. It's Christmas candlelight, it's not Christmas Eve. That's why we don't call it Christmas Eve, because it's not on Christmas Eve, right? And you might be wondering, why don't we do that? Because that is annoying to me. It needs to be on Christmas Eve. No, it doesn't, and here's why. If you've ever wondered this, there's a reason we don't do it on Christmas Eve. It's because what our highest goal is, is for you guys to be able to invite all your friends, all your family, all the people that you're involved in sports with, everybody in your neighborhood, to come to our Christmas candlelight services. If we do it on Christmas Eve, you, we know what's true. A lot of you have already left the building. You're gone. You're with family. You're, you're not even here. And a lot of the people that you would invite, guess what? They're also gone. They're not here either. Which is why we don't do it on Christmas Eve, because we don't need to compete with other churches. We have no reason to do that. The reason we do it the way that we do it is so that you can invite as many people from this community 
or Stoughton or DeForest or Middleton or, uh, or Sun Prairie. We have people from all the Lodi. We have people from all over the place. Wherever your community is, these are some things. Jingle Jam, Christmas Communion, Christmas Candlelight. We want you to invite as many people as you can to these. That's why we do it the way that we do it so that we can engage with our community with the love of Jesus. Does that make sense? And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to make sure, put these on the calendar, try to be there, okay? Second, invite some people to come with you. And don't just invite them, tell them that you'll come pick them up or that you'll carpool with them or that you'll meet them outside the door. You know why? Because let's be honest, how many of you love walking into a space, into a group, into a party, into a place with you're not sure if you're going to know anybody there or how they're going to treat you? No, you don't. I don't either. You walk in kind of apprehensive or you don't walk in at all. Invite them, but also walk in with them. Introduce them. Show them where the coffee and donuts are. Right away, that's a good thing. But this Christmas season, I want to ask you to do something. Be here. Bring people with you. And then, like, we're going to be Leah, Nick's wife. She does a great job putting things on social media. Share it on your social media feeds. Like it, share it, push it. You know why? Here's why. Because when I push it, it feels like a sales pitch. Right? Come to our church. And they're like, well, of course we're going to go to your church because, uh, you know, you're the pastor. You want us to do that. But when it comes from you, totally different. It has credibility. Okay? I'm not saying I don't have any credibility. I'm just saying they, they're like, well, we expect you. You're the pastor. Of course, you're going to invite us to your church. But when you say you need to come with us, it's going to be awesome. There's credibility. Is that cool? So this Christmas season, this is why we do all these things. We don't do it because we need more stuff to do. I'll tell you that. But we do this because this is an opportunity to engage in our community. Okay. All right. So I'm going to leave that. We're going to move on. Okay, cool. So last week, we started a four-week series, sermon series for the month of November called Cow Tipping. And this is not the physical, like we're not tipping over physical, actual cows, you understand. It's, cow tipping is not that. We're talking about tipping over a different kind, a completely different kind of cow. And this kind of cow that we're tipping over are sacred cows. We're tipping over sacred cows. Now, just to kind of jog our memory, sacred cows are very simply this. They are things that we as people hold tightly to that are either not true, irrelevant, or not helpful. One of those three or all three of those things. Sacred cows are things, beliefs that we hold on to, that we want to be true, that we want to exist, the, the way that we want to live. But if we look at them, if we really start digging into them deeply, we know that they're either not true, they're irrelevant, or they're really not helpful to our life. They're sacred cows. We hold on to them even though we face that reality. So last week we tackled a really difficult sacred cow, didn't we? Some of you I know, I mean, we're still getting feedback from last week. Uh, the vast majority positive. <laughs> because we dug in. Because last week's sacred cow was, God is good as long as God does what I want him to. That's not an easy sacred cow to, to demolish, to tip over. Today we have another somewhat difficult one. It's maybe not quite as intrusive, but it's a little bit more practical. So before I get into it, let me just tell you uh, a little story. Um, so when I married my wife, Laura, uh, I married into her family, obviously, became part of her family. And one thing that I discovered very quickly is that my wife, Laura's family, they love 
cold meat sandwiches. They, and I, and I, when I say love, I mean like next to Jesus. It's Jesus, throw pillows for her mom. I, you think I'm joking. I'm not. Okay, Jesus, throw pillows, and then cold meat sandwiches. It's like, oh. So when Laura and I were get, just engaged, we weren't even married yet. We were just engaged. I would go over to her parents' house and hang out, you know, on Sunday night. And so we had Sunday morning and then also Sunday evening services. And Laura and I were highly involved in volunteering at the church. I was not a pastor at that time. I was a public school teacher. So we'd go over and hang out at their house. And you know what? They'd pull out. They'd be like, hey, we're getting ready to sit down and we're going to watch a show or do something. We're just going to hang out. And you know what they'd pull out? Cold meat and bread and sandwiches. It was like, oh, it was like the best night of the week. Well, for me, I like cold meat sandwiches. They're fine, but they're not my favorite thing, right? And so I'm like, I'm married. I'm like, what did I do? I'm married into this family. This is crazy. But let me, can I tell you what I do love? Okay, that, that was all to say this. Do you know what I do love? I love leftovers. Anybody else in the room love leftovers? There's a handful of, okay, there's quite a few of you. Okay, I'm not alone. I wasn't sure. I was like, ah might be a little bit of an outlier on this one. Okay. I love leftovers. You know why I love leftovers? Because I love dinner. I love dinner food. I love, dinner's my favorite meal, like meat, potatoes, cooked vegetables, pasta, whatever. Like I love dinner type food, right? I'll bet there's a few of you in here with me. And you know what leftovers are? Leftovers are dinner again the next day. That's all leftovers are. Yeah, how beautiful is that? I love leftovers. And, and let me, if, if you're wondering how much I love leftovers, I took a picture of our fridge this week. I just took this two days ago. I kid you not. There you go. Laura loves that I just showed you the top of our refrigerator and how packed it is. It, you know what? This dry, I'm serious. This drives her crazy. You know why it's loaded up? Because she knows she'll get in trouble if she throws that away. Because I'm like, what did you do? That was like five days ago. I'm like, I was going to eat that tomorrow. I kid you not, this is a conversation we have about every other week, right? Leftovers, I love leftovers. The truth is that leftovers when it comes to food are so good. Leftovers aren't so good though when it's what we offer to God. Really good in the food category. Not so much when it's what we offer to God. Leftovers. Today's sacred cow that I want to shove over, we're not going to really tip it, we're going we're to demolish it, is offering God leftovers. We need to get rid of that sacred cow. We need to stop. And so we're going to dig into that today. So the question that I have for you today is this, why can't we offer God leftovers? Why can't we give God second best or third best? Why can't we give to God after we've already done what we know we want to do or what's best for our life? Why is it important that we not offer God leftovers? Why can't we do that? I want to give you two really compelling, important reasons today. Number one, you can't serve two gods. You can't. You just can't do it. So there's a sermon that Jesus gave. I referenced Jesus' sermon last series. I actually asked you to read it. 
but the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preaching this sermon, and he says this, kind of, uh, it's kind of right in the middle of the sermon. So he's kind of at the, I don't know if it was like the peak point, I don't know, but, but it was right in the middle of a sermon. This is what Jesus says, Matthew 6, 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other can't serve two masters can't serve two gods not possible can't do it so I got this brilliant idea from another pastor I have to give him credit his name is pastor Jason Barry and he is the lead pastor of a church called 12 stone church down in Atlanta Georgia and I was I was watching uh, a sermon that he was doing actually just this last week and I knew I was preaching on on this sacred cow this week so I already knew that it didn't change anything from that standpoint but then when I saw him do this illustration I was like that fits perfectly with what I'm talking about this coming Sunday and so I stole it right and I'm going to use it now with these two ladders so Pastor Jason Barry from 12 Stone Church he gets the credit for this idea I'm just using it okay but these two ladders very simply they represent the two gods that you could serve in your life, right? Now, this orange ladder, not my ladder. This is my old green rickety one. I borrowed this one from a neighbor. Notice where I live at in my standards, okay? So this ladder represents a very specific and important God. That is the one true God of the universe, the one of the Bible, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Trinitarian God, the only one we should or can and ever should serve, the one true God. That's what this ladder represents, the one true God, the one we should serve. This green ladder, my old rickety one, represents all the other gods that we sometimes replace the one true God with, that we tend to climb, that we tend to invest in that we, we tend to make a God in our life. See, this green ladder, this could be money. This green ladder, this, this could be, the God could be power. It could be sex. It could be a relationship that you really want to have, but you know you shouldn't have it. This could be, um, this could be overworking. This could be workaholism. You use this God to avoid your family because you don't like to face what's going on at home. There's a lot of gods that could be on this ladder. One true God, the other God that maybe you serve. And the truth is that what we try to do, if we're going to be honest, we try to serve both, don't we? We try to serve both gods. We try to serve God here, the one true God, and we try to serve other gods in our life. We try to put them first in our life. And so we, we battle. We're kind of stuck between two ladders and like, okay, I've got to climb and I've got to, I've got to serve God, but I've also got to serve this God. I've got to serve this God and then I've got to serve this God. And we, serve, we try to serve both. We try to kind of balance ourselves between both of them, don't we? Let me, let me give you an example of this, okay? Let's go back to the statement that Jesus said. Remember what he said? No one can serve two masters. I left one part off. Listen to what he says. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then this is the part that I left off. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't, you can't serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't, you can't do both. You can't, let me just ask you this. 
Now, we don't talk about this very much at, at Northridge, but let's talk about it. Why is it important that we tithe the first 10% of our income to God? You've heard that, right, from the biblical standard. Why do we tithe the first 10% of our income? Why should we do that? The reason is because you can't serve two gods. That's actually why. It's not a math problem. It's a God-serving problem. Why do we have to do that? Why can't I serve God and have whatever kind of relationship that I want? Because you can't serve two gods at the same time, as Jesus said. You can't do it. Why can't I serve God and be a workaholic? And, and, and just kind of, you know, neglect duty to my family at times. Why can't I do that? Because you can't serve two gods. Why can't I squash people in business and not care about them and not matter who I roll over and still try to serve God? Because I can't serve two gods. So let me just take this a step further. Let me make it personal for me. So you guys know that I am very passionate about serving God right? This is, this is something that is very clear to me. I need to climb this ladder as often as possible. This needs to be where I'm at. This is, this is serving God. But if I were going to be honest, there are times that other gods rear their head in my life. Can I tell you what one of them is? One of them, actually for me, is money. It is. Now, some of you are kind of red flags going off, right? You're like, you're our pastor, and money is a problem for you, let me be clear, money from a legal standpoint is not a problem. I don't, I don't struggle with stealing. I don't struggle with embezzlement. I, I just don't even have that propensity. I, I, I literally don't struggle with that. That's not a problem. So I don't struggle with money as a God that way. But I, can I tell you how I do struggle with money? I struggle with money because sometimes money gives me more comfort and more security and more emotional stability than God does. Maybe some of you are with me. Sometimes I trust not so much in God, but I trust in the almighty dollar. When, when, I, when we have like a car maintenance problem and, and all of a sudden I find out it's going to cost us, you know, uh, $1,500 to fix this said problem in the vehicle. And we and maybe Laura and I have $1,000 in our emergency fund. I don't know about you, but I start stressing out. And I start figuring out, okay, uh, well, let's do some math. Let's do that. How are we going to do this? All that kind of stuff, right? And I stop, wor- I, I kind of stop thinking about God and I start stressing about my, my money God. Does that make sense? Anybody else with me? How many of you love a call when they say, yeah, your transmission needs to be replaced. It's going to be $3,500. How many of you are like, yes, this is an opportunity to trust God more. This is going to be amazing. I'm with you. I don't do that either. What I do, what do you know what I do? I stress out. I call Laura. I'm like, hey, how much do we have in our emergency fund? Oh, man. Okay, I'm getting a third job. <laughs> right now. You know what that all, that all that stuff says? It says that I'm not really leaning on God. I'm leaning on money. I've made it a God for my security. And, and let's, let's just, let's get really real for a minute, Okay. Here's, here's what we do. We like to balance ourselves between 
the one true God and our sinful God. We know we should avoid this ladder, right? We know we shouldn't lean on this ladder. This is not our hope and my security. Mm, money, right? My phone. I did that a few weeks ago, didn't I? Oh, my phone. I dropped my phone. Oh, no. My phone, God. Right? I know I'm picking today, but like we lean, we, we kind of, we like, I want both. I want both. I like both. And let's be honest, when it starts out, it's actually more, feels maybe more secure. I feel more secure on two ladders than I do on one. I'm like, oh, this feels a little, right? And you're like, whoa. But then oh, it's like, oh, yeah, I can just stand normally on this. I've got my God and I've got a few other gods. I've got plan B and C and D and E. This is great. And we just, we stand here. And this works really well until something else happens. And God says, I, but I need you to take a step. I need you to trust me a little bit more. Okay, okay, God, I got this, right? And then, and then God is like, okay, that was good. That's good, man. We're, we're doing something. But God says, I, I want you to trust me a little bit more. <laughs> okay, all right, God. Well, it's getting a little uncomfortable right now. You know, because I, I need to keep my foot on the money, God. <laughs> you know, I still, I still need that. <laughs> you know, and then, and then eventually, well, what do I have to do to relieve this pressure, relieve this problem? Well, then I need to, to kind of step up and give myself a little bit more of the money, God. And then, and maybe, and then something else happens, a little bit more of the money, God. I, I, you can't tell, but my legs are shaking right now. <laughs> they are. I mean, I'm doing like squats. Woo! <laughs> Ever seen your pastor do squats in church before? There you go. This is awesome. I'm shaking. This is amazing. I'm going to fall on my face. This is awesome. That's not comfortable. And, and, and we wonder when we get to that moment, when we get all the way up there, we wonder, how did I get up there? I can tell you how you got up there. You stop trusting in God and you try to start balancing all the gods you have in your life and you kind of left him off over there and you're giving him your leftovers. And you're like, but God, money is pretty awesome. And so I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna keep a toe on God over here. I'll show up when I need to, God, but man, I really, mm, I love my money. Leftovers. Get it? It doesn't work. You cannot climb multiple ladders at the same time. Just as Jesus said, you cannot serve two gods. It is impossible. Stop trying to do it. You can't give God your leftovers. What's the second reason? I'd love to keep going, but we're good. we just need to keep moving. Okay, so the first reason is you can't give God your leftovers because you can't serve two gods. The second reason, you cannot give God your leftovers because God doesn't accept leftovers. This is going to be this is going to come across a little harsh, but can I just be honest with you? If you give God your leftovers, he's not going to take them. He he literally won't receive them. Some of you're like, "Wait a minute. God loves us." He does. That's why he says, get those leftovers out of here. Because he loves you. Let me prove this to you. So let's go back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis. God creates Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. Remember Cain and Abel? 
Let me read what happens with Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. When they, these are the two brothers, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd. He took care of animals. While Cain cultivated the ground, he took care of crops. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. That's tough scripture, isn't it? Because it really slams into the face of what we've been taught, which is God is love, God will always love you, that's true. Some of you don't think it's true based on that scripture. I'm just telling you, that's not talking about love. That's talking about offerings. That's talking about worship. And that's talking about sin. It's not talking about love. God loves you. He will always love you. No matter what you do, God will love you. He always has. He always will. But because he loves you, he will not accept your leftovers. He won't, he won't accept them. Just like he didn't accept Cain's. Now, ask this question. Have you, are you wondering this? Why did God accept Abel's offering but not Cain's? Here's why. Abel brought the best of his firstborn lambs. He didn't wait until the end of the month. Right? He didn't wait until things didn't work out with the current girlfriend and the current boyfriend. Oh, okay, well, since that God didn't work out, God, I guess I'll come back to you. Right? Cain brought some. He just brought some. He brought what was left over in his life. And God said, I, I'm not taking that. You, you brought me, literally, you brought me vegetables and fruit that you weren't going to eat anyway. They're some half rotted anyway. And you just gave me some of your stuff. It's leftovers. You, you weren't going to keep that anyway. That's not actually a sacrifice. not leftovers God doesn't accept leftovers and it's one of those things let's be honest some of you are offended right now if you're going to be honest you're like I don't like this message I can see it I'm getting a lot of the a lot of the, the eyebrow looks like I can see your eyes through your eyebrows I know when I'm touching on nerves, right? Like a little more Novocaine. Okay, in the soul, right? I know this is not popular. I get that you're like, mm, uncomfortable. I don't like this. I thought God just loves us and he accepts and he just will accept anything we give to him. No, he won't because when you offer him his leftovers, he's not going to accept that. Why? Because it's wrong. It is wrong for you to offer him your leftovers. It is wrong. Dead wrong. Let me prove this to you. Here's what we do. We attach unrealistic, weird expectations to God that we never put on anybody else in the rest of life. We say, God should do this, but in the rest of our life, we're like, 
well, it doesn't work in the rest of our life, though. But, only, but for God, it does. Let me, let me prove this to you. How many of you, if you, let's say that you're planning your wedding, okay? You're planning your wedding, and you do all the planning. You get, you know, you're a year out, and you get the cake people, and you get the decorators, you get all the stuff, and you get this amazing, like, you chose the best photographer in the whole state. You got this person, like the best photographer in the state. And you secured him. You signed a contract. You said, yes, will you be there on this date? Yes. And, and will you do, take all these pictures and for this many hours? Yes. And then when I do that, the photographer does what? The photographer promises back to you. And then you'll get this. You're going to get a digital copy of, of everything on a flash drive. And then you're going to get a video that's going to be packaged well. You're going to get all this stuff. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. Best photographer, booked it, done. We made the commitment. Here we go. Two days before the wedding, you get a call from the photographer. And the photographer says, I got a better offer for another wedding, so I'm not going to show up. But, but here's a list of other people that I know. They sometimes take pictures. I think they know what a camera is. Let me ask you this. What would you say to that photographer? I know what you'd say. You'd be like, No. I am not accepting any of your leftovers or anybody else's leftovers because I committed to you, you committed to me. We made a commitment and we said we are first. We're number one. We are there. We even signed on the line. Like we are all in. We committed to this. How many of you in the room, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us know that's wrong? Of course it's wrong. You know why? Because we know leftovers are wrong. Let's take this a little bit deeper. Let's say a spouse goes to their spouse. Husband or wife goes to their spouse, says, so, you know, I know we married, I know we committed and all kind of stuff, but I just wanted to let you know that uh, I, I wasn't sure if this whole thing was going to work, so I've had plan B, C, D, E, and F. Here are their names. And, and, and I promised them I'd get married to them too. And uh, so I just wanted you to know those ceremonies are coming up. And so this is just to, just to make sure. But don't worry, I'll give you some of my time still. How many of you would be totally fine with that arrangement? No? I bet you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Why? Because leftovers aren't okay. How many of you want to be leftovers in a relationship? Yeah, give me... Give me not your best, but give me just what you can. Of course you don't. We know it's wrong. Deep down, we all know it's wrong. Well, this is the same thing with God and the other gods in our life. We can't give God our leftovers. We can't climb both ladders. God won't even accept it anyway. Now, okay, I know this comes across as harsh, so let me just pause for a moment and say this. Wherever you are, if you're giving God your leftovers, if you're going to be honest, you've been giving God leftovers today, like that's where you're at, or your whole life, and, that, and now you're just realizing it, don't, don't start by just feeling ashamed. Here's what, here's what I would say. Just take a step in the right direction. Right? Start, start working on dismantling this ladder and start trusting God more. Start taking this ladder apart and start moving your life completely onto God. Um, I heard this on, I don't know, social media or somewhere, but we don't criticize a baby when a baby takes 
his, his or her first step, right? We don't like when they fall flat on their face. We're like, what are you doing? You only took one step? Come on. Right? We don't criticize a baby when they take their first step. What do we do? Get the phone, camera, wall, look at that. They're like, you know, and then they face plant. We're like, oh, it's so beautiful. Actually, it wasn't. It was really pathetic, but it's so amazing because that's their first step. We praise the first step. Let me just say, if you are here and you are totally giving God leftovers, I'm not here laughing at you and shaming you and saying, get off the floor. That's not what I'm doing. What I am saying is you need to stop giving all your leftovers to God. Stop putting all of your investment into these other gods and start leaning on the one true God. Start by taking a step. Take another step. And eventually, in a year, in two years, in five years, in 10 years, you're going to look back and you're going to be like, these other ladders are just gone. I'll praise that all day long. I'm not here to shame you. Neither is God. But I am here to say the truth. And that is that God will not accept your leftovers. He won't. So what are you willing to do to make sure you're leaning on the one true ladder. Now, if you're here and you're just kind of like, okay, I'm struggling with the practicality of this, okay? I, I don't know about you, but I think in a practical terms. My brain goes, okay, this is all well and good, but how in the world do I serve God? And like, let's say this is money. I have to make money, right? I don't, I don't know about you, but like food costs money, including leftovers in my fridge, at some point, we had to pay for that, right? Uh, we have to pay for the lights to be on. We have to pay all these things, right? And you're kind of like, well, how do I lean on God but also understand that I have to make money? I'm not saying you quit your job tomorrow, okay? If, if half of our church quits their job today because I said, stop giving God your leftovers, I, we're, that's not good, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is it's not, let, let me just say this. Oh, by the way, another God over here, sports, sports. I love sports too, hey? Can't become a god. Oh, a lot of people have made sports gods. Sports gods, right? Can't be a god. And so we have all these things. How do we deal with the two ladders? How do we stop climbing both ladders? See, there I am doing squats again, right? How do we stop doing all of this? You know that we do that? It's not a time issue. Some of you are thinking in terms of time. Stop thinking in terms of time. Can I tell you what this issue is? What this issue is is not a time issue. Can I tell you what it is? You know what the key to this is? It's a heart issue. Which ladder you're climbing, it's a heart issue. Heart. Let me prove it to you. Let me blitz you with some scripture, some truth of God's word that tells you your main issue with this issue to God's is a heart thing. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. What's that talking about? It's saying stop offering God leftovers in your heart. Your desire needs to stop being for money, for sports, for sex, for power, for popularity, for whatever, for that employee that you can't stand to be stricken from the earth. Some people, vengeance is their God. I haven't mentioned that one yet. 
vengeance is a God. And, and, we, and we, we kind of massage it and we're like, oh. And we think in our brain what we're going to say and what we're going to post on social media about that person. Vengeance is a God for some people. It wasn't even in my notes. Thank you, Lord. The question is, how do we get to this point? It's a heart issue. Create in me a clean heart. One where I'm loving and I'm desiring and I'm going after God and I'm not chasing after everything over here. It's a heart issue. Let me give you another one. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your, what does it say there? All your heart, your desire. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will, seek God's will in all you do, and he will show you which path Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Do you want to see God? I hope you do. If you want to see God, sometimes, it's not like God is hiding, you understand? But sometimes God is not going to reveal himself for leftovers. We need to get rid of the other gods first. Because he's not going to compete with your leftovers. Because he's worth more than that. Let me give you one more. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Which ladder you climb matters. Doesn't it? So I want to invite the, um, the worship team to come up real quick. So... One of the things that I have to do in my role, because I'm a part of a team in our region that does this, um, this is going to be uncomfortable for me to say, but there are pastors in our region that at times have moral failures. Okay? What I mean is there are pastors that at some time they are they're trying to climb the God ladder and they're trying to hold on to another God. For, for pastors, it, it, could be, it could be a money thing, more in a legal way. It could be a sex thing. It could be, there's a lot of different things. But one of the things that, that I am on this team for is to help figure out, make decisions on what needs to happen with those given pastors when this happens. I wish it didn't have to exist. Because it's hard, it's hard to face these things when, when pastors make these mistakes. But can I just tell you that it's very, very clear. Serving on this team, it's, it's exceptionally clear most of the time. Depending on if the pastor has a lot of work to do for reconciliation or just a little bit of work to do. And here's the difference. Can I tell you what the difference is? The difference between the different types of pastors is some pastors, they're still trying to fight and hide and, and make excuses for this ladder over here. Why they got into that sin and that relationship that they shouldn't have or whatever the case is. They're, they're trying to defend themselves and that's obvious. It's just so clear. They don't, they're actually saying in their face and their words they're serving God but in reality they're serving another God a whole set of gods 
and they're hiding it. And that's so obvious. And so for those pastors, they have to go through a long process of reconciliation. Why? Because it's not a physical thing, it's a heart problem. But then there's there's some other pastors who without being found out, they confess that they've been serving another God. It could be a relationship, it could be a hundred different things that have come across our table. And they've confessed that and said, hey, I just, I want you guys to know I've been struggling with this for months or I've been struggling with this for years and I just need to confess it. I need to get off my chest. I need to get right. I need to heal. And when that happens, can I tell you, can you see the difference between those two? Because it's a heart problem, right? And so when a pastor comes in and says, I need to just give this up. That's a, that's a heart, that tells us that their heart longs for God and that this God has become too powerful and they need help getting rid of it. It's a heart issue, guys. So stop thinking about numbers. Stop thinking about whether or not you're treating people the perfect way at work and all that kind of stuff. Stop thinking about all those things. I want you just for a moment, as we sing this last song, I want you to think about how's your heart? How's your heart? How's your intention? Are you longing for money more than anything else? Then your, your heart has to change. Your desire has to change. Otherwise, nothing's going to change. You're going to keep giving God your leftovers because you're going to keep living on what you live on and then give Him the last 10%, if there is 10%. And let's be honest, by the time you get to the end of the month, I don't know, Laura and I, there's not going to be 10% left. We have to. It has to be siphoned off as soon as we get that check. It's gone. It's automatic, by the way. We used to write it, the first one. Now it just magically goes through the bank account, right? You know why it has to go? As soon as it comes in, it's got to go out. Because if we wait till the end, there's never going to be 10% left. Why? Because I love to eat out. And I love to fix my phone. And then my kids love sports. And we have all these other things. And sometimes I like to buy gifts for other people. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be great. And then, and then we get to the end. I'm like, oh, God, I only have about 1.5% left. Here you go. And God says, thanks, no. I don't want it. That's Because that's not a sacrifice. You just, you're living off what you want to do. And you're giving me whatever's left. How's your heart? How's your heart? Is there something that you need to get right with God? I have to confess things to God, if I was going to be honest, just about every week. I do. Sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes I drop the ball on something that I should have done. It's a responsibility thing. I, I have to confess to God quite often. What do you have to lay at God's feet? It's a heart issue. How's your heart? As we sing this next song, would you just wrestle with what God is telling you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we sing this next song that says yes 
yes, I will. Yes, I will worship you. Yes, I'm going to serve you. Yes, I'm going to give my life to you. Yes, I'm going to say yes to you, God. I'm going to say no to other gods in my life. I'm going to say yes to you, God. You're, I'm all in with you. I'm, not, I'm going to stop giving you leftovers. I'm going to give you the first and the best of what I have to give. I know that that has to balance out with my job and family and all these other things. But God, I'm going to give you the first and the best. I'm going to, I'm going to stop giving you leftovers. I'm going, to, I'm, going to change, I'm going to allow you to change my heart. In these next few moments, as we say, yes, God, I will to you, May you move on us and help us to know what we need to lay down so that we can be climbing the correct ladder. Because where that ladder leads matters. Change our heart. We pray this and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.